We are on Yevamos Kofches Amid Aleph 108a in the Art Scroll Gemara. We are towards the middle of Kofches, and the Gemara now will focus on really the root of the discussion of Miyun. Again, the topic that this chapter has been discussing is a situation where a minor, a girl who is a minor, she's under the age of 12. She's on a biblical level, she could be married off by her father. On a rabbinic level, she could be married off by her brother, brothers or mother, perhaps even by herself. This all has to require her consent. And she but the point is, is that even though she provides consent in the beginning, she could always back out of it until the age of twelve. She has that ability to back out of it, and that is called Miyun. Now, since she has this ability to back out of the marriage, and not only does she have the ability to back out of the marriage, but as we'll see. Retroactively, it's as if they were never married to begin with. So this is a very unique situation. We don't have this <coughs> really anywhere else. And so then the question becomes, how married are they? Are they actually married or are they not married? And so this is a, a big dispute between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua. Um, and this is what the Gemara will be discussing now in the next couple of lines. So, Amr, so Rabbi Eliezer said, Rabbi Eliezer and the Mishnah said, Rebelezer says that even if you, she gets married, it's, it's meaningless. He says it's really meaningless. There, there's a heter, they're allowed to have sexual relations. But besides for that, it's really meaningless. He even goes so far, so far as to say that if she's the daughter of a Kohen, and she has this rabbinic marriage with a Kohen, with a non-Kohen, so even though in general, if you're married to a non-Kohen, you should not be allowed to eat truma, According to him, according to Rebeliezer, it's not even recognized as a, as a real marriage, and she is allowed to continue eating truma. She's allowed to eat truma. So the Gemara continues on this position of Rebeliezer, and will continue analyzing Rebeliezer. But the Gemara starts off by saying, Shmuel says, he, Shmuel says, I have not found anybody who is as consistent as Rebbe Leezer is when it comes to how he deals with a kitana, with a minor, with a, with a girl who is a minor. Because Rebbe Leezer says that the, the marriage is not recognized in terms of the, the, the general laws that apply to a marriage. And he also says that he could be, she could be with him and they can have sexual relations as long as she goes to the mikvah that night. She's allowed to eat truma if she's the daughter of a kohen, even if her husband, this on a rabbinic level, her husband is a yisrael, is a non-kohen. She's allowed to continue eating. She's allowed to continue to eat truma. Okay, so now the gemara elaborates on Rabbi Lezer. It says Tanit, Tanit Abraisa, Rabbi Lezer Omer, Ein Ma'isekatana Klum, that what she did is is nothing. The marriage is like nothing. That the husband has no rights, the general rights that the husband has in a marriage, such as the fact that uh, he he gets to have whatever she finds or whatever she makes, or the fact that he's allowed to annul her vows, all of that doesn't apply in this case. He's not allowed to do any of that. He doesn't get any benefits, um, and he doesn't get any inheritance from her, he is not allowed to become impure if he's a Kohen. Generally, a Kohen, they're not allowed to be around a, a mace, somebody who's dead, unless, unless it's one of their immediate relatives, including a wife, a spouse. 
right? In this case, because they're not married, so he's not allowed to. So all these ramifications, which would generally apply if they were to be married, Rabbi Lezer says they're not really married. It happens to, it's a rabbinic marriage, but uh, it, it allows for sexual relations, but they're, they're not really married. All that's necessary is mion. In order to get out of it, you have to, she has to do mion. She has to back out. But but in terms of the actual marriage itself, none of the relevant laws that apply to a regular marriage apply in this case. It just doesn't apply. It's not a real marriage. He doesn't get uh, any real benefits, uh, the side benefits of a marriage from this. Uh, that's the position of Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Shua argues, Rabbi Shua Amar, no. Ba'ila zaka b'mtsiyasa, b'maisedel, b'farsna dera, b'yorshem tamala, klosho davari, kishel l'chol davari, l'shiyot zebimian. Rabbi Shua says the opposite. It is a real marriage. It's a rabbinic marriage, but it still is a real marriage. And therefore the husband does get whatever she makes or finds, and he has the ability to annul her vows, and he inherits from her, and if he's a Kohen, he's allowed to become impure if she passes away because she's a spouse, so it's a wife. It's a, it's a complete marriage. It's just that the reason why this is, is, is a bit different is that she could back out of the marriage and back out of it retroactively through Mion. But that, that's the only difference. So this is a drastic difference between uh, Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Lezer says it's not a marriage. Rabbi Yeshua says it is a marriage. So Amar Rabbi, Rabbi says, Nir and Dibir Rabbi Lezer, and Dibir Rabbi Yeshua. I like Rabbi Lezer more than Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Lezer, Hishva, Midosa, Bigtana, Rabbi Yeshua, Cholak. Because Rabbi Yezer is consistent with his position, Rabbi Shua has holes. There, there's inconsistencies within Rabbi Shua's position. My chalak, what's the inconsistency? The inconsistency is, If it's actually his wife, Rabbi Shua says that they're actually married, so then how would Mian help? You should need a divorce document. You should need a regular get, a regular divorce document. So from the fact that uh, we don't, so that seems to be a problem for Rabbi Shua. Seymour says, wait a minute, the real are nami. Rabbi Lezer also has is not consistent because according to Rabbi Lezer that they're not married at all so why do you need Mian? Just don't do anything and uh, she'll leave automatically. Why do you need Mian at all? And so Rabbi Lezer also has a problem because according to him there's no marriage whatsoever so then you shouldn't even need Mian and so the Gemara leaves it at that. So we have this big difference between Rabbi Lezer on the one hand and Rabbi Yeshua. Uh, just one one or two points. Uh, the Gemara, the Talmud, in a different tractate in Ksupis, elaborates a little bit on this and says that it discusses a different scenario, a different uh, ramification, which is not addressed in our Gemara, which is, does she collect her Ksuba money? Does she collect the money that she is, is owed and deserves if they get divorced or if the husband passes away? And so the Gemara says that everybody agrees that according to Rabbi Lezer, she wouldn't get it. For sure she would not get it because Rabbi Lezer does not recognize this as a marriage. However, according to Rabbi Yeshua, it seems to me that this is a dispute between Rav and Shmuel. This is a dispute between Rav and Shmuel, whether or not she get, receives her super money. Uh, either you could say that uh, the only benefits are to, to the husband. The husband has certain benefits because we want to incentivize the husband to get married. But any benefit that's for her... So then she won't get, like, the Ksuba money. The Ksuba money is for her benefit. She won't get. And others say that, no, that it's just, it's a regular marriage, a rabbinic marriage, but uh, whatever goes along with marriage goes along in this case as well. And so therefore she really does deserve her Ksuba. That is one point that is addressed uh, from this Gemara. A second point that is addressed within this Gemara is that it says that according to Yeshua, the husband has the right to annul her vows. 
because it's a regular marriage, he has the right to null our vows. It just, it happens to be, some of the commentators, they point out, it's going to be a weird situation because she's going to make a vow. He will then annul her vow. So she'll think that the vow was actually not accepted. If she then goes ahead and does mion a short time later and she uproots the marriage retroactively, so then retroactively uh, the husband uh, should not have, the, the husband's annulment of the vow is not valid because uh, retroactively they were never married and then her vow is in place. So it sort of <laughs> makes it very difficult. She should still uh, keep her vow because who knows what's going to happen later on. And then uh, she's uprooting her marriage and then the vow is in place. So that's a little strange. Um, perhaps you could give an explanation that um, perhaps uh, there's a lot to discuss on this topic, but perhaps you could give an explanation that when we say that retroactively it's as if it never happened, it doesn't mean completely it's as if it never happened. The point is that it's uh, what what Rav Chaim Salavechik refers to as Mikanu that moving forward any halachic significance will be impacted by the past and we'll assume that they're not married but it's only with regards to issues moving forward anything that happened in the past so then that will continue its halacha and so therefore since in the past the husband annulled her vows so then that will maintain that will stay the same that won't change it's only with regards to future events will we assume that it's like they were never married to begin with. Okay, that's all with regards to that Gemara. The Gemara now analyzes the last line of the Gemara. The last line of the Gemara said, Rabbi Leazar ben Yaakov Omer, anything that is coming, that is preventing the marriage from the man, it's like they're married. If it's from the woman, so it's like they are not married. So what does this mean? We'll have two different explanations in the Gemara. What's the case? If somebody is proposing to her, she already got married. She had this rabbinic engagement uh, marriage, and somebody else is proposing to her. So how does she respond? If she responds by saying, "I'm already married," so then she stays married. That's machas Bali. It's because of her husband, so then she stays married. However, if she says, you're not fit for me, implication being, but otherwise I would marry you, so that seems to be the equivalent of mion. That's the equivalent of saying, I'm not really interested in my first husband. I really want to marry somebody else. You're not, you're not the right one. You're not a good fit, but somebody else could be a good fit. And so therefore, through her language, we could interpret it and say, you know what? She's not really interested in being in the first marriage. She's not saying I'm already married. She's saying... You're just not right for me. But if the right one does come, so then I'll get married to them. So that impl- clearly implies that uh, she's not interested in the uh, in the current marriage. And so it's as if she's doing mir. That is one explanation. The son of Avin and Rebchini, the son of Avin, they both say, of Avin, they both say the following. Essentially, the way you understand Rebbe Leazar ben Yaakov is totally differently. It's not about her backing out uh, through without uh, any verbal statement, uh, the, the, which is what the first answer was about. What's going on here is that there's a difference between what happens if how does the how does this marriage end? If the marriage ends. With a divorce document, let's say she's still under the age of 12, but it's with a divorce document, so then we recognize it as a marriage, 
And all the ramifications of recognizing it as a marriage applies, meaning they become prohibited to marry each other's relatives. And in addition to that, she becomes a divorcee and she's prohibited to marry a Kohen. She can't marry a Kohen. However, if Mian was done and it wasn't through a get, so retroactively we make it as if they were never married to begin with, so she's not a Grusha. She's not somebody who got divorced. They were never married to begin with. And beyond that, they don't become forbidden to each other's relatives because they were never married. So that's what uh, that's what Mian accomplishes. The Gemara then asks, what are you talking about? The Gemara says, if, that's, if the second explanation is really the explanation within Rebbe Lezer, then it's the exact same thing as what we say in the next Mishnah. Because the Mishnah, next Mishnah already differentiates between Get and Mia. And so you're just saying what the next Mishnah says. The Gemara says, yeah, in Achanami, it's true. It's, uh, but the, the, the next Mishnah is really a continuation of what Rebbe Lezer is saying. Rebbe is saying that if you, uh, if you get divorced, then the marriage is recognized. If you do mean, then the marriage is not recognized uh, with its various ramifications, i.e., are you allowed to marry the relatives or are you viewed as divorced with regards to marrying a Kohen? So that has big ramifications, um, whether it is done through a get, a divorce document, or whether it's done through mean. Okay, let's just begin the Mishnah because we already started the Mishnah. Uh, as a continuation of Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov, and we will end off uh, without, uh, we'll start the Gemara in the next recording. Hamemeenes b'ish, so this is exactly what we said before, if she does mion, they're allowed to marry each other's relatives, and nobody nobody's uh, viewed as somebody who got divorced, and they, they could all marry Kohanim. But Nasan like gets, who else however, if, he gives a divorce document to his wife, so then it is viewed as a marriage until the divorce, and then they stay prohibited to their relatives, and she becomes puzzle. She's viewed as a grusha, as somebody who's divorced, and she cannot marry a Kohen. Next case. Nasan laget v'echzira mianabo v'nisis l'acher v'nis amano n'skarshim v'taras l'achzulo mianabo v'echzira v'nasan laget v'nisis l'acher v'nis amano n'skarshim v'taras l'achzulo Essentially the case is as follows. She has a rabbinic marriage with somebody. And then they get divorced. Actually divorced. Then they get married again, the two of them. They get married again. And then she does Mian. So since she did Mian last, that relationship, it's all with the same guy, that relationship is defined as the Mian relationship. Even though she got divorced the first time around, it's defined as the Mian relationship. It's retroactively as though... Um, it's a, as though they were never married. And since retroactively it's as though they were never married, if she then marries somebody else, and then that husband dies or, or they get divorced, so she's allowed to return to the original husband because it's not like, it's, it's not Machser Grushaso. It's not a situation of Machser Grushaso where you're marrying the person who you divorced and then that person married somebody else and then now wants to come back to you. No. You're allowed, you're allowed to get married. Um... Because we don't, because we view it based on the last step. The last step was that you did mian with this guy, even though you already got divorced. But we we define this relationship as a, as a mian relationship where retroactively they are not uh, they are not related, and it's not it's not a good marriage. So the Gemara then says, sorry, the Mishnah says. However, if the last step she first did mian and then. Married him again, and then did gave a get, gave a divorce document. 
So then, if she marries somebody else, she can't go back to him because then we do recognize it as the relationship being one of a divorce, that they were married and then they got divorced. That would be true. Zehaklal, turning the page to Kulchasam Bez, 108b. This is the rule. If the get came second, this is, again, this is a case where it's for all the same husband. That first they got married and gave a get or mion, and then after that they got married again and they gave get or mion. So as whatever is last is what we follow. So if the get happened last in their second marriage, so then it's uh, forbidden for them to get back to for the, for the wife to get back with the husband because she married somebody else in the meantime. Uh, but if it's mion was last, so then they could get back and get married. Okay, that's all a case of where um, she marries the same person. However, so now the last case in the Mishnah, Ma'enes Bish, Vinisis Lacher. Vigirsha Lacher, Umiyana Bo Lacher, Vigirsha, Zakla, Kolshi Yotzah, Himena Beget, Asur Lachzalo, Bemian, Mutars Lachzalo. What happens if she marries many people? And with some of them, she does Mian, and the other ones, she gives a get to, a divorce document. So we say the ones that she did Mian to, it's like they were never married. The ones that she gave it, that she received the divorce document from, so then it's like they were married, and that's ultimately the uh, the deciding factor. Was it done through me, or was it done through a regular get, a regular divorce document? It was a regular divorce document. It's like they were married and then got divorced. When it comes to Mion, it's like they were never married to begin with, and so therefore that would have different ramifications. But it only impacts. Uh, it depends on uh, on the one on the one husband. What well, what exactly was that relationship? Was that uh, did it end because of a get, a divorce document, or did that end because of Mia? Okay, we'll see more about this in the Gemara in the next recording.